This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. We are in part 10, <laughs> it's a, a long series, 12 parts in Ecclesiastes. We've been going through the book of Ecclesiastes. We're coming to the end of Ecclesiastes, and in two weeks we finish with chapter 12. And I want to give you a little homework assignment as we prepare for that. I would love to hear uh, your, you know you're getting old jokes. Uh, if you want to go ahead and uh, email those into the office. I heard a great one this week. I did date night comedy with my comedian buddy Paul Harris in Sioux Falls, and uh, Paul's getting some gray in his hair. I don't know if he's listening today, uh, but he's getting some gray in his hair. And he and his wife were talking about, you know, we're in Nashville where you kind of age out. And uh, you think I should dye my hair and put some color in it to not look so old. And their seven-year-old daughter <laughs> looked at Paul and said, it's not your hair that makes you look old. It's your face. Everybody in here has a story from a child or a grandchild on, you know, you're getting old. So send those in to me. One of my favorites comes from Gary Smalley. Uh, He said a guy was out on the dance floor uh, with a new young lady he was dating, and and, uh, his cardiologist came up to him and said, what are you doing? And, And the guy said, you told me to find a hot mama and be cheerful. And the cardiologist said, I said you have a heart murmur and to be careful. That's what I told you. So... Anyway, I'm only 50, but I got them. I got the know you're getting old when. So anyway, I I count on my senior, even more senior friends to help me with that. So today we're talking about wisdom and how wisdom brings success. And some of you are going to dive into this chapter and you're going to hear some things and say, uh, I pursued that path. I went down that path and I didn't get the success I thought I would get. And we're not talking today about a guarantee of outcome, like do this and this will happen. But if you want to pursue success in life, you want to find success as a citizen of the United States of America on the job, you're going to see in the text today that wisdom is the path to take as you pursue that. And you're going to get some dry humor in the text today, and and some scholars call it dry Hebrew humor. And when we get to some of it, uh, I'm going to just let it sit there, and uh, I think you'll figure out we get it early. And we start with chapter 10, verse 1. Uh, as we uh, get a very graphic word picture, and I love how the scripture uses word pictures to, to teach us and to uh, instruct us in the ways of wisdom. And here's what we get in verse 1. As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. And I think all of us in here can relate to this, that is, even when you pursue wisdom, honor, live a life of favor... It doesn't take but a little bit of folly to mess all that up. I mean, we see it every day. The one inappropriate text or direct message can sabotage someone's life or ministry. Just a little folly. One harsh word spoken at a game to an official or a coach. A person of honor can look foolish. Or how about a dare from a friend uh, to do something reckless? And your body still bears the scar of that dare. We get what it means to to pursue a life of wisdom and how to be wise um, and what a little folly can do to mess all of that up. And so today we're choosing the path of wisdom, not the path of foolishness. And verse 2 
Solomon says, the heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. Now, shut it, shut it, shut, <laughs> know your role, congregation member, and shut your mouth. That's what I want to tell people. In ancient thought, all right, the right hand was the place of honor and favor, and the left, just the opposite. And we're choosing the right path, the path of wisdom. And then verse 3 tells us, uh, you can't really hide your foolishness, right? A fool is known. It says in verse 3, even as fools walk along the road, they lack sense and show everyone how stupid they are. Don't you love that Scripture is just clear? Don't you love that we don't have to sit here and be like, what's, what's he really saying? Right? Fools make themselves known. Fools are obvious. And, and it's the same is true for those who choose wisdom. I want to be a wise person. I want to be a wise husband, a wise dad, a wise citizen. And, and I don't want a little folly. Isn't that where we live? What's a little folly? A little folly can't hurt. What's just a little bit of it? A little folly can make you a dead fly stinking up the perfume. So here's what we're going to see today. A cool head, this is wisdom, a cool head and a guarded tongue. A cool head and a guarded tongue will give you a life well lived. Keeping a cool head, not being hot-tempered, but being even-tempered, and watching what comes out of your mouth, saying less or saying nothing at all. And when you do speak, it's gracious words meant to build other people up. And that's where we start today. Keep a cool head and don't be moved by foolish leaders. We're going to see this play out today in the workplace and in our national life. And some of you are too easily swayed by foolish national leaders. Easily swayed. And look at what the scripture says in Ecclesiastes 10, 4. If a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great offenses to rest. Followers of Jesus, because we know who the source is, and our source is Jesus, it's not a political figure, and it's not your boss, as we're going to see in a moment. We should have trust. And when, when leaders act foolishly, we shouldn't come at it from a place of, craziness. And some of you have experienced this in recent years. You're like, I, I haven't moved. I think, I think in 2023, I believe the exact same foundational doctrines and fundamentals of the faith that I believed in 2020 and 2015 and 2010. I haven't moved. But people will accuse you of moving. You've changed, you're woke or whatever. And you're like, no, no, I don't feel I've changed one thing. But when everyone else around you is moving, the follower of Jesus says, I am going to stay anchored in Christ period. I'm staying there. And whatever craziness happens around us, whoever's elected, whoever's in charge, whatever is said at a State of the Union address, whatever white hot air balloon flies over our states, everybody calm down. Can we, look, some of you hate this message already because calmness ain't your thing. You like getting worked up. And also some of you know Every time you go back to a family gathering, 
there's at least one family member who's quit their job since the last family gathering. You're like, well, where are you working now? Because they, they can't remain calm when their leaders are foolish. And some of you have been in meetings. Some of you have been led by foolish, unqualified bosses. Look at it around the room. I'm led by one right now. <laughs> Calmness, even-tempered, gracious words as we're going to see. Today, we, we, as followers of Jesus, we, we go down a different path, a path with Jesus leading us, and Jesus is the source. We don't have to get worked up even when we're led by those who are foolish. It says this in verse 5, there's an evil I've seen under the sun. So we've all seen this. We've seen it in government. We've seen this in the workplace. And it says, there's an evil I've seen, the sort of error that arises from a ruler. Fools are put in many high positions. While the rich occupy the lowly ones, I have seen slaves on horseback while princes go on foot like slaves. This week, as I was studying this and thinking about the workplace, and I get kind of passionate about wanting to help our workforce. And I know this, Branson deals with it. Every city in the country I visit deals with this. Looking for workers for your business, whether it's a theater, a show, a restaurant, a store, a gas station, you're, you're a skilled laborer, you're a plumber, electrician, carpenter, you're looking for workers. You're looking for someone, I always love this, who shows up on time, who's passionate right, and gives it their all, shows up and gives 100%. You're wanting, and, and, and it's hard to find right now. And you're like, when, I, when someone tells me they're a Christian, shouldn't that put a higher expectation on them? Like someone tells you they follow the Lord, it's like, well, then I'm not going to have any problem with you showing up on time, passionate about what you do, and giving it 110%. Why? Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. I don't know about you, but man, when you go into a place and you're met with someone has a smile and they're excited to be there and they're go-getters, isn't that, isn't that exciting to be around? Like, we love being around passionate people, whatever it is they're doing. That's what Paul is saying. Whatever it is you're doing, be passionate about it. Well, how can I be passionate about it when my boss is a fool, okay, as working for the Lord, not for human masters? Jesus is your ultimate boss, and he's watching and you can serve him every day of your life. And that's going to feed this passion. So where we're going to go in the rest of this text is, is the workplace. Uh, and we're going to see some dangerous tasks. And we're going to get some wisdom for the workplace. And there's some instruction in here. And I think some application for us, whether we're the worker uh, or we're the owner, the leader, the one that's, that's moving forward. We want to all move in wisdom. And here's the very first point. Pay attention on the job and always be aware of danger. We can't escape it, but we can mitigate it. We're, there are jobs that have hazards with them, uh, but if you've ever had a boss that leads out the meeting with, bring your brain to work today, we get it right here in Ecclesiastes 10, 8, and 9. Whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. And some scholars have said this is just speaking about improper timing that happens on the job and it's going to happen and there's really nothing you can do about it. But most scholars, the majority of scholars you read as you dig into this Hebrew wisdom is that, yes, there's going to be 
some danger on the job and risk to be taken. But as long as we're aware and pursuing wisdom, it's going to be less. Not eliminated, but less. I worked right out of college at 22 years old for a Lowe's distribution center. I was an associate pastor at a church, bivocational at Lowe's distribution center. And uh, they had this big sign. I remember seeing it every day when you walked in. Big, big sign. And it had just a blank and then days accident free. Anybody have that on the job site that you worked at? And then the number, and when we hit 90, you got like a barbecue dinner. There's probably a thousand employees at the Lowe's distribution center. And uh, anybody here ever been on a, for, a stand-up forklift? Let me just see the hands. Stand-up forklift. Okay. It's the most ignorant design of a machine I've ever seen in my life because you turn the thing left, it goes right. You turn the thing right, it goes left. Well, uh, I was the reason one day when we were at like 53 days accident free in front of my boss I hit one of the metal guards on the and you've seen videos of this of these things falling over and uh I and I wasn't even supposed I'm an IT guy at the Lowe's distribution center and we but we had printer paper that had to get to the third floor so they could get the labels off on boxes and get them in the semis. And my boss, I said, I'll find a friend. I got friends around here. I'll get somebody to do it for me. He goes, no, you do it, Ted. I'm on this thing every few months. And uh, I'm on it 10 seconds and I crash it into a beam. And uh, as I'm going to get my drug test, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I was ticked. I was mad telling my boss. And, and I'm like, he's walking with the cup beside me. Well, you know, we got, and I'm just going, listen, the guy who designed that machine should be getting the drug test. I am clean. I haven't been on a drug. <laughs> You're like, can you finish that statement? There is no answer. I'm not on drugs. I didn't do drugs. I never took drugs. I smell plenty of them walking down the streets of Branson, but I'm not. So anyway, you, you get the dangers. And here, here's what, here's what we're, we're told. Pay attention. Like, Bring your brain to work, be alert, be aware, something we all teach our kids early on, and then we get to this, I bet you didn't even know it was in the Bible, work smarter, not harder, right? Wisdom is going to cause you to make decisions at work that just doesn't, right, exert energy, but you're actually doing it in a way that doesn't take as much energy, and you're actually more productive. And here's what I'm going to encourage every plumber, HVAC electrician, whatever your skill, whatever your trade is, I want you to put Ecclesiastes 10.10 on the bottom of your invoice, and it'll make more sense in just a second. Here's what it says. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. But skill will bring success. And your translation of the Bible says wisdom will bring more success. It will bring success. And we probably get this better with the chainsaw in the Ozarks. I have a cobalt battery-powered chainsaw. I can do about seven, eight cuts per battery. It's, it's very effective. And, uh, but I know this, if I want those seven or eight cuts, it's got to be sharp. So I know I put the tailgate down on my truck and I take that long file and it's, a, it's an 11 inch blade. So I do some serious business out in the woods and I sharpen that thing and I go out there and I make my first cut and you know it, you hit the dirt, you hit a rock, you hit dirt. And I'm still shocked by this, how dull it gets so quickly But I'm out in the woods now. I'm a five-minute walk from my garage. What do I do? I don't go back to the garage. I stay out in the woods. 
And if you want to know how do you cut with a dull chainsaw, the safest way to do it is apply as much pressure as possible. But that's what you're doing because I'm working now with a dull blade. Do you know what would save me time? But it doesn't make sense to us. What would save me time and make me more productive is to drop the chainsaw, go back to the garage and get the file, walk back and sharpen the blade, and now I'm going to make the cuts quicker. It's going to be safer. I'm more alert. I'm more aware. And that's what some of us need to be reminded of today. You're like, is this a chainsaw illustration? Where are we actually going with this deal? <laughs> whatever your skill is, whatever you're called to do, yes, bring passion to your job, bring skills to your job, but never stop sharpening your skills. Continue to take classes. Take the time, right? Lean in. If I can encourage the young people in here, in your 20s, your skills are not as sharpened as that guy who's been on the job for 30, 40 years, Take him or her to lunch, right? They're, you're like, well, they don't do as much. Oh, but they have so much to offer. It's the story I heard this week of uh, a factory, big machine that made all the money broke. And so they hired a guy to come in, and this expert walks around the machine, listens to it, leans in on it, takes a black magic marker and draws a circle and says, there's your problem. And they said, thank you very much, send us a bill. They sent him, or he sent them a bill for $10,000. See, oh good, you're setting me up here. All right, hold on. And they thought that was too much. And they said, can you send us an itemized invoice? He said, no problem. And the invoice simply said this, drawing circle with black magic marker, $5. Knowing where to draw the circle, $9,995. That's skill, that's wisdom, and something we all need to learn. Yes, sharpen your skills. If you're a communicator, if you're a teacher, if you're a doctor, I, I go to the American Association of Christian Counselors, and every two years they need something called a CE. That's a continuing education. Stay up on what's going on, right? Whatever your skill is, new technology comes out, learn it, never stop. Don't get 50, 60 years old and be like, I am done sharpening, because then you're just going to put energy into it. We all need to be continually sharpening our skills. And this, I want to say this in Branson, because I hear the gripes all the time. You and I need to be better at valuing skilled workers. We do. We need to value what they bring. You're like, he showed up to my house, spent 10 minutes, and gave me a bill for $300. Well, guess what? You don't have the knowledge or the skills to fix the HVAC. And you can stay out there for days. I've done it. I have flipped that breaker I don't know how many times. <laughs> it still ain't working, right? I don't know what I'm doing. But when I hire that guy after sweating for three days, he brings his skill and gets the job done. You've seen this in an auto shop, and I absolutely love this. I think every one of you should have this in whatever your trade is, and it's simply this. It's a mechanic hourly rate. $100 an hour is what I charge to fix your car. Unless you watch, then it's 150 Okay? 175 if you want to help. 200 if you put some work on it yourself before you brought the problem to me. And 250 if you tell me how to do my job. As Travis Kelsey said, know your role and shut your mouth. That's where we're going with the next point on this, and it's where Ecclesiastes takes us. Watch your mouth and don't talk too much. I, I, and I, I had in there, it just sounded harsh, a preacher point, know your role and shut your mouth. I, you don't want to hear a preacher say shut your mouth, but I've said it four times already, so I don't know why I didn't 
Make it a point. Here's where we have to have, yes, calm down, a cool head, and a guarded, controlled tongue. And let's see how all of that comes together. Ecclesiastes 10, 12 through 14. Words from the mouth of the wise are gracious, but fools are consumed by their own lips. You know someone at work that talks too much? You know someone online that hates our current ruler and fools are consumed by their own lips. At the beginning, their words are folly, just foolishness, but then they don't know how to shut up. There I said it the fifth time. I wasn't allowed to say that growing up. So once I became an adult, it's like, hey, here we go. And look at what it says. If they don't stop talking, if a fool just keeps running their mouth, in the end, they are wicked madness. So it's almost like this thing, it just builds. The fool just keep running, keep running, keep running. Let me tell you, if, if you're at a place right now where you are working for an unqualified fool, let me tell you, the, the best way forward is not to constantly run your mouth and tell him how he's doing his job wrong or how she's doing her job wrong, telling her, you know, how you would do it if you were in charge. Clay Scroggins, who will be back with us this summer, wrote a great book called How to Lead When You're Not in Charge. How do you lead? Because a fool is just wicked madness. They multiply their words. They just continue to go, go, go. No one knows what is coming. Who can tell someone else what will happen after them? A fool thinks they can predict what's coming. So instead of how to lead when you're not in charge, let's, just, let's take this for a moment and get into some other Proverbs for just a second. What to say when you don't get your way? What to say when you don't get your way, whether it be on the national level with the ruler or whether it be with an unqualified fool at work? What do you say? Proverbs 17, 27, and 28 gives us two first steps. A truly wise person uses few words. So just right next to that, just say less, right? A wise, wisdom speaks less. They don't have to always be giving the answer. A person with understanding, here's the cool head again, is even-tempered. You want to be known, even-tempered, and a little folly can throw this all off. Even fools are thought-wise. Here we go from less to right next to this, just say, say nothing. If, when they keep silent with their mouths shut. So there, I feel like I got a little biblical justification for what I'm saying. They seem intelligent. Isn't that something? We think we got to run our mouths to show wisdom. And the scripture says to keep your mouth shut. This is where you really seem intelligent. Like and man, I, I serve on a board here in this town with one of the wisest guys in this town, full of wisdom. And most meetings, he's just sitting there like this. I'm like, man, if we could just learn that, to be present, right, to talk less, know when to say nothing. And when we do speak, Proverbs 16, 24 says, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones, that our words would lift people up, build people up, encourage people. We get to the last verse of Ecclesiastes chapter 10. And here's what we get. We don't want to just control our tongue or guard our words. We want to guard our thoughts. Guard your thoughts and your words. So don't just sit here today and muster up, hey, I'm just not going to say anything bad anymore, and I'm not going to run my mouth online anymore. Look at what it says in Ecclesiastes 10.20. Do not revile the king even in your thoughts. Why? Because that's where all your words come from. Okay? Curse or, or curse the rich in your bedroom. 
because a bird in the sky may carry your words and a bird on the wing may report what you say. In other words, everything is repeatable. And we don't have to just control our tongues. Follower of Jesus, we do way more than that. We take a deep look inside because it's the heart where everything is coming from. We say this about parenting in this church all the time, right? I I don't want to ever be obsessed with the behavior or the words of my children. I want to be obsessed with the hearts of my children because this is where all the behavior and all the words come from. That's why your parents said time and time again when you were growing up, what were you thinking? You did something dumb. You said something dumb. They want to get into the heart, get into your mind, because this is where it's coming from. And this is what we need to spend more time on. A pastor this week um, put a very um, inappropriate sexual comment out online, an older pastor. And, whew, I mean, he was taken down pretty quick, and he should have been. It was very inappropriate. It was wrong. And uh, everybody, man, started going after him. I still believe, um, according to Scripture, uh, confronting people in sin is to be done one-on-one, face-to-face, not one-to-group. Uh, no matter, you're like, well, it was on a public platform. He needs to apologize. Well, he can get there. But if, if I say something dumb online I, and you see it, I, I, you don't need to confront me online. You can confront me face-to-face. But he said, he came on and he said, and I I assume a lot of his friends came on quick, one-on-one, confronted him with this comment. And and he came on, and I mean, the comments were brutal. I mean, brutal toward him. And he kept saying, the comments don't represent my character. And, And it kept being said all week, yeah, but those words came out of your heart. You want to talk, man, it just hit me, a little folly as dead flies stink up perfume. And you and I need to be taking a constant look here and what God is doing here in our hearts. Because you dwell on something in your mind, you let something fester, whether it be resentment, bitterness, unresolved anger, and you just stew on it and you stew on it and you stew on it, I'm telling you, eventually it will come out here. And you and I need to do the work here first. Proverbs 21, 23 says, those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Yes, guard your tongue, but even more than that, guard your heart. Do a deep, deep search of the heart. And we've been quoting this verse as a family church and and our family personally for years. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. That little folly that may come out here, that little folly that may come out here, that little folly that may come out here, okay, is coming from here. And just as Jesus is my source of life, not a president, not an elected official, not any ruler, not any boss, qualified or unqualified, he's my source of life, and I want him at the wellspring. I want that for you, and I want that for me. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for what you continue to do here at Woodland Hills, um, that each one today would search the heart, starting with the question, Is Jesus my Lord and Savior? Beginning there, making sure that Jesus is the source of life for them, that they would confess with their mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in their heart that he's been raised from the dead, that they would be saved. That we would guard our hearts and our mouths, whether it be online or in person and in conversations with family and friends, uh, that we would choose the path of wisdom at work, as citizens, as church members, as husbands and wives and fathers and mothers, sons and daughters. May that be true of each one of us here. Uh, We love you and we're grateful for uh, all that you continue to do here in our hearts. 
and in our lives. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray it. And everyone agreed and said, amen.